Hi, this is Brendan, and thanks for listening to The Collect Call. Holly and I are still on Easter break, so we are continuing to release the remastered editions of our episodes from two years ago. When we started out, we had no idea what we were doing. The sound quality was terrible because of editorial mistakes by yours truly. But we have the original audio files. Uh, We've been able to clean them up a bit. And uh, so we hope you enjoy listening to this blast from the past. We continue to make plans for what the third year of our show is going to look like. If you have opinions about anything you'd like to hear about, people you'd like us to interview, uh, suggestions for what our format might be, we would love to hear them. Send us a tweet at The Collect Call, or send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8movement.org. Enjoy the show. Okay. Okay. Let's go. All right. This podcast is an offering of the Axate Moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church, and we are coming to you live from Bexley Hall Episcopal Seminary, where Brendan and I are at the Axate Core Team Gathering. Hooray! This is so exciting! I know! We always do this over Skype or Google Hangouts, so it's fun to be in the same room. So, uh, let's do some quick introductions. I'm Holly Powell, and I'm a member of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Georgetown, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I am a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. So the Collect Call is about the prayer that occurs towards the beginning of each service in the Episcopal Church on Sundays, and it's a prayer that changes every week. And we uh, started this Collect as a way of Uh, reflecting and diving deep into those prayers, which often have a way of uh, blowing right past us. Now, collect is a kind of funny word. We don't really say it uh, in the rest of our day-to-day lives, but it's spelled like collect, uh, such as you might collect vintage postcards or eccentric friends. (laughs) Awesome. And we have some really exciting news to report. Um, Because of your wonderful feedback, we are going to be continuing this podcast past Easter, so we're really excited for that, and hopefully you guys are too. I'm excited. Well, why don't we dive uh, right into it, Holly, and let's get into the uh, collect for the fifth Sunday of Easter. Uh, will you read this for us? Sure. And if you are following along in your Book of Common Prayer, it's on page 225. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life that we may steadily follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That is a really hard prayer to read. There's lots of bizarro 
clauses in there. And actually, Holly, it's so hard to read that you said steadily when it says steadfastly. God. I don't think God accepted your prayer just now. <sighs> Sorry, God. <laughs> okay, but nonetheless, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot to talk about in this prayer. Yes, yes. And we have, oh man, and we have the way, the truth, and the life. We have everlasting life and eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's kind of some stuff we need to address here. <laughs> there is some stuff. Um, you know, I, you guys, if you've listened to these podcasts, you know I'm kind of a word nerd. So I was trying to figure out um, if there was a reason that, that the two different, if that both everlasting and eternal were used if there was some kind of minimal distinction between the two Um, and you all listening at home may be able to tell me better, but my good friend, Miriam Webster informs (laughs) me that um, they are in fact synonyms. And when you look up everlasting in the dictionary, it's definition is eternal. So it does seem like they are just repeating the same thing. Well, I, I think about this prayer and I think, you know, if it's, name checking both everlasting life and eternal life part of its purpose as a prayer that sets the tone for the week is to get us to think about what it is that we as christians uh really mean by that and uh you know i've referred to this on the podcast before and you know it holly uh is that this is something that's been on my mind a whole lot recently mm-hmm. um and uh, well i don't mean to make this the sort of Brendan's mom just died podcast. Um, I think it's natural um, that, you know, I'm thinking a lot about, about some of these issues and what it is that I really think about this and what it is that I feel like I can say for sure. Because when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, uh, I am, as uh, one of my friends uh, says about himself, I'm a resurrection fundamentalist. Uh, so I do believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And uh, that does not mean that I reject some of the metaphorical interpretations of Jesus' resurrection. I think uh, those are wonderful, and I find a great deal of value in them myself. Uh, but I believe that something really happened. At the same time, when it comes right home, Uh you know, what is it that I can really say about this? And I find that while I'm going through whatever kind of period of uncertainty I'm in right now, um, one of the things I find myself coming back to is actually uh, the section of 1 Corinthians that is often read at weddings. Ah, the love chapter. The love chapter. The love is patient, love is kind, and so on. Um, But it goes on to say that love never ends. Mm -hmm. And so while, you know, in an earlier podcast I said that the afterlife is not a big part of my spiritual life, it's not that... I don't believe in the afterlife or that I have specific beliefs about the afterlife, but I regard a lot, a lot of that as specula- speculation. Um, what I do find is that what, what I can say with some measure of certainty is that I believe that love is eternal. And so, you know, to whatever end I come or my mother came or, uh, or you know, to the heat death of the universe, um, although actually I believe that's not the prevailing cosmological wisdom um 
that the love will survive. And uh, so that's where I'm finding my eternal life stuff right now. No, I think that I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And and quite frankly, it's pretty impressive that you've gotten to this point at at um, at, at this time when uh, I'm sure that things are uncertain and unclear. So um, for me, thinking about this kind of brought me into a little bit of a heavy place as well. Um, because when the Collect talks about following Jesus's steps, that means following Jesus's steps to the cross, um, which means death, and and not necessarily in a physical sense, but but um, the death of relationships. Many of you, who if you know me in real life, you know that uh, two years ago. Uh, I got a divorce and that was a big death in my life. It was a third of my adult life spent in a marriage that was no longer alive. Um, But what I find hope in is that if you follow the path that Jesus set, you go through the tomb and come out the other side. And there's something better beyond that. Um, it's just really hard. I don't like giving up control of my own plans and, um, and, and knowing that in order to fully live into the life that I, I think God wants me to live, I, I do have to, to let those things die in order for something different to grow. Well, And as you're saying that, one of the things that I've always found strange about the phrase, I am the way and the truth and the life, uh, is that Jesus doesn't say, I am the one who points you to the way. Right. Um, I am the one who points you to the truth. He says, I am the way. Uh He is identifying himself as, as the way. Uh, which is a little weird for kind of a person to be a road or a path. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about identity on this podcast uh, previously. And this is pretty powerful for me if we think about sort of some of our sacramental theology in the Episcopal Church. Uh, the idea that while we don't really specifically say what it is we mean by Jesus being truly present in communion, uh, we don't have sort of a hard line as a church on whether, you know, that really is Jesus' body as in, you know, muscle and right. flesh and blood, um, but that we believe that Jesus is really there. And the idea that when we take communion, uh, we replace a part of ourselves with the body of Christ mm-hmm. and we take on Christ's identity. Um, that's something that helps make sense of this to me. Yeah. I, I I did want to point out that your point about Jesus saying that he is the way. It it come, This is a direct quote from the Gospel of the Week in which um, Jesus is, is saying, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says to him, how do we know the way? And, and Jesus says, well, I am the way, which 
Kelly, our Lord is supposed to be perfect, but I'm not really 100% sold on his metaphorical usage here. It's kind of like um, last week in the gospel when he says that he's the shepherd and then he is like, no, wait, I'm the gate, but but he's also the shepherd. I don't, I don't really understand um, some of these metaphors, but maybe I'm just not theologically mature enough yet. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that Jesus gives us multiple metaphors to work with. Uh, so, you know, he's like, well, if one doesn't work for you, here, <laughs> right. try this one. Awesome. Many paths. Well, one other thing I think I want to say about uh, the question of eternal life and kind of getting a little bit out of my own head and my own experience here uh, is that we do get it referenced uh, here twice in two different ways. Uh, so one is uh, Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, talks about knowing God. And then the second part is that we may steadfastly follow his steps in, a, in the way that leads to eternal life. And in following his steps, uh, that suggests more um, action. And this is a tension that I think exists in Scripture itself, that if you look at Psalm 119, for instance, this is kind of all over the all over Psalm 119. This idea that studying the law is is one's delight. Uh, if you look at Psalm 119, verse 77, but I will meditate on your law, uh, or things like that, that. That in fact, spending time with the law of God and taking the time to know God is a way of participating in the life of God, uh, and that's you know meditation and consideration. Whereas on the other side of this, uh, if you look at Jesus himself saying, take up your cross and follow me, uh, or the letter of James saying, faith without works is dead, you also have that call to action, to participate in eternal life, to be a participant uh, in the kingdom of God on earth. So I guess there's just more there. Yeah, no, it's that perfect example of, of the kind of holy tension between listening to God and acting on God's behalf. So, Brendan, it looks like you have done a little bit of research on the history of this collet. Yeah, so this one kind of falls in a bit of a middle ground. We, we've spent some time with some really ancient prayers and some comparatively young prayers. Uh, this one uh, is a youthful 465 years old. <laughs> it was composed for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. Uh, and originally it was the uh, collect for the feast day of St. Philip and St. James, which occurs on May 1st. Now, one thing I haven't done a lot of research into is why this particular collect applies to St. Philip and St. James, because there's no particular call out to them. The only thing I can figure is that in the gospel reading, Jesus says that Jesus is speaking to Thomas and Philip. I, there's no mention of James, but... I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these apostles uh, really only show up in that they get named right, and they don't right. get to do anything else. So uh, I guess that's as good as it gets. In any event, if you look at the collect for St. Philip and St. James today, uh, which you can find on page 240 of your Book of Common Prayer, uh, you're going to find that it is just slightly more biographical in that it names Philip and James. But since the Gospels give us barely any other information about them, it says, you know, Philip and James gave you gave them grace and strength to bear witness to the truth, oh. and uh, and that's the biographical information the collect gives us. 
Uh, so I guess we, we don't know a lot about Philip and James, uh, but we are grateful for their apostolic witness. Absolutely. Good, good work, guys. <laughs> stay, stay solid. So, uh, Holly, are you ready for the Twitter challenge? I'm ready. I'm ready. I was really excited um, that out on the um, Acts 8 Moment blog, I was declared the winner of the third Sunday of Easter's Tweet Challenge, so I'm pretty pumped about that. You were, but I have to tell you, I actually know the person who declared you the winner, uh-huh. and I feel so betrayed. <laughs> I mean, she can't help. She needs to be honest. We're talking about the Lord. Uh, true, true. And a good <laughs> friend tells you the truth. Right, so. right. Okay, so um, this one is weighing in at a solid... 123 characters and it is oh god help me follow in your son's footsteps so that i may better understand the path he has set for me hashtag easter five hashtag call it that's quite good thank you uh so mine is in line with a uh i I suppose i would call it a weak form understanding of eternal life which (laughs) is kind of where i'm at these days um so um perhaps not as cheery as some of my previous tweets but whatever so mine is oh god grant that by following you i may find my place in the unending line of your saints hashtag easter five perfect so that pretty much wraps us up for this week's Call It Call. We do have some more exciting news, if you guys can stand it. Uh, we have our very own Twitter page now. So you can um, tweet to us at, at the Call It Call. Um, or you can send us an email at the call at call at acts8moment.org. For those of you who prefer not to expose yourself to the Twitterverse. <laughs> exactly. And really, I can't blame you. You can also find Acts 8 Moment, which is our the organization we're both affiliated with, at acts8moment.org, facebook.com backslash acts8moment, and again, that's the, the number eight, um, or on Twitter, at acts8moment. And we would love it if you enjoy this podcast, if you would spread the word about us. Give us a shout out on Facebook or Twitter, or leave us a review on iTunes. And we'd love to give a shout out to somebody who has been a fan of ours. St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Bayview, Ohio, uh, has been retweeting our posts uh, on Twitter. Thank you so much, St. Barnabas. That's so cool. Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. We hope you'll join us next week, where we'll be uh, exploring the collect for the sixth Sunday of Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to